Welcome to the Father's Love Ministries. As you listen to this sermon from Leighton Ainsworth, we pray that you are blessed, and that you walk closer with Jesus. Hi, and welcome to the Father's Love Ministries. My name is Leighton Ainsworth. I'm an evangelist and author of six books. Today I want to minister a sermon that I've entitled, God's Agape Love. And we're going to be reading from the book of 1 John 4, 16. So that's 1 John 4, 16. And the Bible says these words, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This passage of scripture mentions the word love three times. But the sad reality is is that over the years, this word love has lost its meaning. Uh, When it comes to you and I as individuals, we've probably heard that word, we've probably used that word, And many times we can use that word because of what we get out of a situation, what we can get out of a relationship. Many times we can say those words because um, it's coming from a place maybe where it's not even genuine. You know, um, how many times have we heard that word, I love you, and it's come from a place where someone maybe has hurt us or abused us emotionally or physically, and the two don't marry up. And so because of those situations, because of those circumstances, throughout our life and in the world as, as a whole, the word love has lost its meaning. People don't really appreciate or value the word love anymore. It's been dragged through the mire or through the mud for want of a better word. When we say those words, I love you, it could be in relation to a sport. Uh, you know, I personally support Liverpool and I could say, I love Liverpool, but does that have the same connotation as when we're referencing or referring to God as being a God of love? You know, we could say that we love a certain type of food. I love Chinese food. I love Indian food. I love Jamaican food. Whatever food you declare to love, we cannot use that word and then equate that word to the same reference as God being a God of love. They are two different types of words. They're two types of meanings. When we say that we love you, oftentimes it's been... Uh, it's from a place where we don't even understand what love is. Maybe you've been raised in a broken home. Maybe you've been, you've never been told that someone loves you. And then when you use that word, there's no reference. There's no, there's nothing to go back to and say, well, actually, this is what this word means, or this is what this word entails, or this is what comes with this word. Uh, sometimes people are very good at saying those words but are not often good at showing the emotions or the feelings behind those words. There's no empathy, there's no compassion. And so over the years, what's happened is this word, I love you, or these words, love, as a whole, have completely lost their meaning. Uh, The way we interpret that word, uh, the way we understand that word, um, it, it just doesn't carry the weight that it would do in biblical times. God is referred to as a God of love. So does that mean that God abuses us? God hurts us? Does that mean that God loves us because he gets something out of it or there's something in it for him? No. But the reality is, is that because that's what we've got used to, or because that's our understanding of what love is, or that's what we're familiar with, we almost use that as a reference point or as a guide to say, well, that's how God is. And God isn't that way. That's not the way that God loves us. You know, people have been cheated on by people who've said, I love them. People have been let down by people who've said, I love them. People have been 
robbed uh, to some extent of wealth by those who've said I love them, cheated out of things that they were entitled to, whether it was an inheritance or whatever the case may be, by the very people who said I love you. And so because of that, the truth of the matter is, we've lost all sense and meaning of this word love. And so when we refer to God as being a God of love, we have to separate that word out from our understanding of what love is. We have to separate out what God is as a God of love from our understanding and our perception of what our love is. Because oftentimes what can happen is our perception can taint the way we see God. It can taint how we perceive who God is. The Bible says God is love. So God, that's his personality. That's his character. That's his nature. Everything that God is, is a God of love. Everything that pertains from God comes from a place that he is love. It's who he is. He cannot deny that personality trait. He cannot deny that, that character of who he is. You cannot separate God from love and you cannot separate love from God. But that's what we've tried to do because we say we, we, we love certain things. Uh, we think we know what that word means. Uh, you know, I've been married for, you know, almost 26 years now. Do I love my wife? Yes. But <laughs> I still need to learn how to love the way that Christ loves. I still need to understand what love is because my capacity as a person, as an individual, is only limited to what I know, what I understand, what I've been a, a recipient of. I was raised in a broken home. I had a, a father who didn't tell me he loved me. I had a father who uh, didn't want to visit me or see me. And so when I became a Christian, I thought that that was how God was going to treat me. The reality is, is that you cannot merit God's love. You cannot do anything to deserve God's love. Many times we say, I love you because we want to get something. We want to be a recipient of something. But God doesn't get anything out of us loving him. There's nothing, uh, he doesn't benefit from it in any way. Uh, and his love towards us is not based on how much we love him. Uh, what can I do for God that's going to make him love me any more or any less than he already does? Well, the answer to that is nothing. You cannot do anything that's going to make God love you any more or any less than he does already. In fact, the Bible says in Romans uh, 8 verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And then the Bible goes on to say, as we read down in a few verses later, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor the, neither height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we, hear, we see here in our text that the Bible begins to list all of these things that we would think would separate us from love. And the Bible declares quite boldly that nothing can separate us from God's love. Uh, there may be things that cause us to become separated from those that we say we love. Maybe it was a genuine hurt, uh, an abuse, a harsh word, uh, whatever the case may be, and we stop loving that individual. That's not the way God loves you and I today. God's love is not dependent on us it's not reliant upon um, you and I today and what we can do and what we can offer to God. 
God's love for us is dependent on who he is and he is a God of love. This is the very reason why God sent his only son for us because he is a God of love. The Bible says in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's love, love was birthed from a place out of a place where even though we were separated from God, even though we were in our sins, God still loved us and was willing to send his son for us. This is basically the gap between our understanding of what love is and God's love. There's a great divide between those two uh, subjects. We have man's love or human's love on one side and God's love on the other. And there is a vast difference between the two. And the reality is, is that we need to begin to bridge that gap by gaining an understanding of what it means when we say God is love. So when we think about God's agape love, the Bible tells us in Romans 5 verse 8 that God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the Bible shows us that God's love was demonstrated in his willingness to send his son for you and I when we didn't love God. The truth of the matter is that I didn't, I wasn't raised in an environment where Christianity was taught. I wasn't raised in an environment where we were forced to go to church or even desired to want to go to church. And so I never really had a revelation of who God was, never had an understanding of what it meant for God to love me. But even while I was in that place of not knowing God, not knowing his love, uh, as I said, being raised in a broken home, the Bible says God demonstrated his love for me by going to the cross, by dying for me, by 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 taking my place on the cross and so one of the words that the bible uses to describe god's love is this word agape and that's why the sermon title today is god's agape love this word agape is literally referencing pure willful sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good this is what this word means it means that this type of love is sacrificial. This type of love is willful. This type of love is pure. This type of love will put another person's desires above their own. And as human beings, I don't think we could fully comprehend what that, what that looks like without having a reference point. And Christ then becomes that reference point for you and I. That as we look at the cross, as we look at Calvary, we see exactly how much God loved us. We see exactly what that love entailed. God was willful in his desire to send his son to the cross. God was willing to sacrifice, the Bible says, his only beloved son for us. He did that because our greatest need was for his love. Our greatest need was for the forgiveness of sins. And Christ died so that we could be forgiven. There is that picture of love, agape love, where God was willing to do what was necessary that we in and of ourselves could not do ourselves. There was no way that you and I could have ever have paid the price for our sin. It doesn't matter how much good we do, uh, no matter how uh, religious we are, no matter how much uh, of church we go to or attend. The truth of the matter is, 
We are all sinners. We are all separated from God. And God demonstrated his love, his agape love in that sacrificial act of sending his son to die for us. Agape love is the highest form of love. It's the highest level of love. It's a kind of love that we could only ever dream of or imagine. Uh, the reality is, is that all of us desire and yearn and have an emptiness in our hearts for this kind of love. And that's why we go to relationships. We have friends, we have relatives, we have family members, we have husbands, wives, and it's all birthed out of that place of that desire to want to be loved, to want to be accepted. And God says, I accept you. God says, I approve of you. God says, I love you. And that's not dependent, as I said, on what you and I can do. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with my loving kindness or my unfailing kindness. So here the Bible shows us that it was God that drew us out of love. God loved us so much. This is love in action. This is love in its truest sense. Agape love is different from any type of love that we know of or have experienced outside of God's love. Uh, as I said before, you know, uh, people's love can be driven uh, by selfish, selfish motivations. Uh, there can be selfish motives behind why we say we love somebody or why we use that word. Uh, maybe, as I said before, it's because we want to get something out of that situation. We want to get something out of that circumstance. But agape love is completely selfless. Agape love is sacrificial. It is a love that is steadfast. It is a love that is unchanging. It is a love that is unconditional. You know, the truth of the reality is, is that God's love is completely unconditional, but does have one condition. And I know that might uh, almost sound a bit strange to say that, but the condition of God's love is that you've got to be willing to receive it. And so even though God's love is unconditional, not based on anything that we can do uh, for him, uh, anything we can do uh, once we've come to know him, uh, whether that's going to church, reading our Bibles, praying, whatever the case may be, none of that can merit or deserve God's love. But at the same time, God's love has a condition, and that is that God's love has to be received. We have to be willing to accept that love and be recipients of that love. God sent his only son for us to die on the cross. And the question today is, have you received that love? Have you accepted that love? Have you come to that place where you know what it means to be loved by God? God's love was shown in his actions. He forgives. He offers mercy. He provides us with grace on a daily basis. He's patient with us no matter how many times we fail him. How many today have lost their patience with us? How many today have found that someone's patience has begun to wane thin because of the way that we've acted or our inability to be faithful or committed? God's love is patient with us, patient in our failings, patient in our mistakes, patient even when we sin against him. The Bible says in Psalms 25 verse 6, Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. The Bible is saying that God's love is from eternity. You know, God himself is an eternal being. 
And so if God is love, then that means that his love is an eternal thing. It is something that he is. So therefore, it's something that his love is. There is no beginning to God's love and there is no end to God's love. God's love, as I said, is steadfast. It's unfailing. And so that leads me to my final point, which is this, that if God does love us and if we need to get a greater understanding of what his love is and how he loves us, once we've come to that place where we have an understanding of those things, then that ought to lead us to begin to love ourselves, which means that we ought to begin to bridge the gap and be reflective of God's love, be the light of God's love. Reflect God's love in our actions. Reflect God's love in the way that we speak. Uh, the Bible says in 1 John 4 verse 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. So there's that similar scripture that we saw in 1 John 4 in our, in our opening text. The Bible goes on to say, Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So here the Bible is showing us again, God is love. And if we have been touched by his love in any way, if we have come to that place where we've experienced his love personally in our own lives, then that ought to be reflected in our actions. That ought to be reflected in the way that we speak, in the way that we talk, in the way that we communicate. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verses 14 through to 15 says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. The Bible says for God's love or Christ's love compels us. You know, what's compelling you today to love your enemy? It ought to be God's love. God is love. The Bible says that if you love, it means you've seen God, you've experienced God, you've had an, you've had an experience of his love. And so, so therefore, um, out of that experience of his love, you in turn are then equipped and enabled to love in ways that you weren't able to before. The reality is, is that outside of God's love, we cannot love the way God wants us to. We cannot love in, 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 in intentionally uh, the way that God desires us to. That only can come from a place where we have had a first-hand experience of God's love for ourselves. And so the challenge for you and I today is that one of the greatest ways that the world will ever see God's love is reflected in you and I. You and I are a, are a reflection or are a mirror of God's love. When people look at us, do they see the love of God in our lives? Do they see the love of God in the way that we speak, in our personality, in our character? And I know and I understand that we're not all perfect. And I'm speaking to myself when I say that. The reality is, is that there have been days when I've struggled. There's been days when I've not been perfect. There's been days when I've failed in this very area that I'm speaking about. But we need to make that our goal. We need to set a standard for ourselves where we begin to challenge ourselves and say, you know what, I'm going to love the way that Christ loved me. I'm going to love in a way that Christ loves me. God's love ought to be the compelling factor behind our decisions, behind our choices, behind how we treat one another, 
The Bible says that we ought to treat others the way we ourselves would want to be treated. And that comes from a place of, well, we love ourselves. So if we love ourselves, then it shouldn't be that too difficult to love others because we in turn want to be loved. We in turn want to be recipients of that love. And the Bible says that in our text that for you and I to show God's love, for you and I to be, uh, to express God's love, that is in the fundamental truth of loving others. It's being a vessel of God's love. It says, let us love one another, for love comes from God. If your love comes from yourself, your love is going to be limited. It's going to have an expiration uh, to, to an extent. You know, if someone offends you too much or too greatly, you're going to stop loving them. But when you have God's love in you, when you've experienced God's love uh, yourself personally, firsthand, it enables you to go beyond that place where you would have stopped loving somebody and to continue to love them despite the hurt, despite the words that they said. You know, the Bible tells us to love our enemies. That's not an easy thing to do. That's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be a process of us understanding what love is, understanding that God himself is love, and that our love then needs to stem from that truth, that reality, that experience that we've had with God ourselves. And so today I want us to really contemplate and to think about this term, God's agape love. His willful willingness to sacrifice, to deny himself, to leave heaven, to come to the earth, to take on the form of a man and to die for you and I. And the Bible says he did that when we didn't love him, when we were separated from him. In fact, the Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so what we need to do is begin to examine ourselves and ask ourselves that question am i loving the way christ wants me to love am i loving others the way that christ and the bible challenges me or dare i say even commands me to and so today as i bring this to a close i want us to remember i want us to focus on this truth that there is nothing that you can do that can make God love you any more or any less than he already does. The truth of the matter is God loves you already more than enough. So much so that the Bible says that he was willing to send his son for you. Remember our text in John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you for listening. This is the Father's Love Ministries. My name is Leighton Ainsworth. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Father's Love Ministries. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos about the Christian faith. Join our Instagram at the Father's Love Ministries. And to learn more about us, visit our website at www.thefathersloveministries.org.